The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. God's word to us today for this message is, uh, it's printed for you in your service folder. It's 1 John chapter 4, the first six verses. So what John the gospel writer was inspired to write in that gospel lesson we had earlier, he now expands on that just a little bit in his first letter. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now this may not be in your top 10 list of things to know, about the month of April. But April is National Safe Digging Month. Now, I think it it stands to reason, right? Like April, it's springtime. There's people that are getting their gardens ready or maybe they're they're digging a new garden or maybe they're going to put up a fence or maybe they're going to build a deck, or maybe they're going to plant a tree. Whatever it is, we are all encouraged in April to call before you dig. And that is the motto of the National Diggers Hotline. 811, by the way. So I I looked up the Diggers Hotline website, And it told me that if I were to uh, notify them that I'm doing some digging, they would call out, on average, seven to eight utility operators. So seven to eight utility operators that are going to come with that orange paint and put up all of those red flags to show us all of the stuff that is just underneath the surface. which is in easy range of a post hole digger or a power trencher or even just a a hand shovel. Call before you dig. We don't want you to get in an accident. We don't want you to run 
into a problem. We don't want you to knock out the power from the community. Call before you dig. Here's an 800 number. The Apostle John does not give us an 800 number, but he does give us a word of encouragement. And I guess he would even say a little bit of a word of warning about digging. You see, when the Apostle John wrote the words that I read to you just a moment ago, they were, uh, Christians were living in the first century world and already, just a few decades after Jesus had ascended into heaven, there were all kinds of teachers and teachings that purported, they proposed, they, they, they kind of wrapped Christian terminology around themselves, but they weren't Christian. And so the Apostle John says to those folks back then and to us today, by inspiration of the Spirit, because, you know, things really haven't changed all that much, be careful. I mean, who of us would disagree that we, don't, that, that we live in a similar time? The, the, the spiritual uh, book and DVD and workshop and seminar industry, it's just booming. It's huge. So the Apostle John says, not call before you dig, but test before you trust. And he gives us two of them, two tests before we trust that a spiritual message is actually a Christian message. Here's the first test is, what's the message? The second test, who's the audience? Now, Jesus, the good shepherd, said a lot of this already in our gospel lesson today. And this is why I think this fits in nicely with, with Good Shepherd Sunday. Because when he said, I am the good shepherd and we are the sheep, he also told us there are some perilous things that can still happen to the flock. For instance, wolves. A wolf attack. And of course, you know he's speaking metaphorically there. He's talking about uh, spiritual teachers who might wrap themselves with Christian terminology, but they're trying to get you actually away from Christ, or they're trying to get you to deny the Christ of the Bible. And, and Jesus would call that a wolf in sheep's clothing. You see, the sheep's clothing is like the spiritual words, the, the Christian terminology that is used. For instance, uh, it is not an exaggeration for me to say that at least two dozen times in my life I have had someone at my doorstep with a smile and with lots of literature to share where they are telling me that they can help me understand and then there's a long laundry list of Christian terminology like redemption, 
forgiveness, sanctification, or just about four weeks ago, it was this at my doorstep. We would like you to come to a meeting so that you can understand the full meaning of the crucifixion of Jesus. But then when I look at the literature, I discover that this particular spiritual group does not believe or teach that Jesus is God. So that would be an attack. And, and, and Jesus says it's not just the wolves. There, there's bad shepherds out there too. There, there are hired hands that are acting like they're shepherds, but they're not. All they do, they, they don't love the sheep. They don't care for the sheep. And so when the wolf attacks, they're going to cut and run and not defend the flock. Now, brothers and sisters, of course, nothing Jesus says in John chapter 10 makes any sense, and nothing John says in 1 John chapter 4 makes any sense if there is no such thing as false teaching. But of course there is. There are spiritual messages in our world that are meant to form us, meant to change us. And all John is saying is, test them. And then he says, since you can't test the heart of the messenger, you got to test the message. And I'm reading now from verses 2 and 3. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is in the world. Now, that sounds like a pretty simple test, and it is. But there's a lot to it. Any spiritual net message that we hear that proposes to be Christian, according to John, has to proclaim that man, that historic man, Jesus of Nazareth, is Jesus the Christ. And that means that he is God himself in the flesh. And any denial of that, any denial that Jesus is God in the flesh is, well, it's the spirit of Antichrist, John says. Anti there meaning not so much against Christ, but in the place of Christ. And when you think about it, that's exactly what's happening. Because if Jesus is proclaimed as anything short of God, then we're replacing his glory with some man-made idea. So test the message that you hear, John says. 
Test the message that you read. And because spiritual messages are complex, at least I think they are, I mean, it takes me a long time to work through a spiritual message. And because they are complex, the testing can take a long time. Reminds me of uh, many, many years ago when my three, uh, at that time they were just little girls, my three daughters had their first corn husking experience. And what I did is I put a, a grocery bag full of sweet corn in front of them in the garage and I put three empty grocery bags beside them and I said, peel away the green stuff and don't stop peeling away the green stuff and all of that silky stuff until you get to the golden kernels of corn. And they were surprised that it took so long and that it took that much, you know, if I just peel one up, where's the corn? Well, it takes a while. You got to keep peeling. Spiritual testing is kind of like that. I mean, when we test a message, it's kind of like that. Because, you see, words like Christ and Christian and Bible truth can become so much husk if they are not surrounding one kernel of truth. And that one kernel of truth is Jesus of Nazareth is your God. And he is your Savior. The only way to heaven is through faith in him. Trust not in yourself. Trust not in anyone else for salvation. Trust in Jesus. I want you to test the message that you hear from this pulpit or this chancel, in this sanctuary, in this church, on Sunday or any other day of the week. I want you to test it. You know, in Acts chapter 17, there's this beautiful little story about a group of Christians in the city of Berea. And what happened with them is the Apostle Paul rode into town and he proclaimed the gospel to them. But you know what they did? First, they compared it to their Bible. They compared what Paul preached to what the scripture says. And you know what the Bible calls the Bereans? Not the persnickety Bereans, not the uppity Bereans, not the problematic Bereans, calls them people of noble character. Why? Because they were willing to test the message. If you believe that I am obscuring Jesus Christ in my message to you, that I am leading you to see someone or something else as your Savior, that I am pointing out to you some other path to heaven. I want to hear about it. I want you to set me straight on that. And I know that Pastor Jeske and Pastor Hine would say the same thing. 
test the message that you hear. And then here's another thing. We all have messages about Jesus, right? So we need to test the messages we share about Jesus. Now, if we've got no message, like if we just refuse to talk about Jesus with our family, with our friends, that's a message in and of itself, which is essentially who Jesus is and what he has done for me and for you and for the whole world is unimportant, not worth mentioning. And I know that none of us want to share that message. So let's test our messages about Jesus. Each one of us has a testimony about what Jesus has done in our life. Can we take that testimony and first of all, verbalize it and then also find ways to match it with what Christ himself says in his word. And the best way to do that, I am convinced, is through Bible study, whether that be through personal Bible time or group Bible study. We test our own messages about Jesus. Test the message you hear. Test the message you speak. And then, John says, test the audience. Wow, that one sounds a little bit strange. But then it begins to make sense. What John is saying is, take a look at the audience that gathers around any spiritual message or teacher and you will be able to learn something about that message or that teacher. I'm reading now from verses 2 and 3. No, excuse me, 5 and 6. So Jesus is, excuse me, John is talking about these false teachers. He says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. What's he saying there? Isn't he saying God's message is always going to gather God's people? And, and we know that to be true because we have God's promise on that. So if the group gathered around a spiritual message or spiritual teacher is worldly, well, that tells you something. And, and Jesus said it this way in, in the, the gospel lesson today. He said, my sheep listen to my voice, Jesus said. Remember what he said before standing before Pontius Pilate? We probably heard this during Holy Week. He said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Jesus said. And one time he was talking to a bunch of people that were outwardly very religious. 
And they were taking in what Jesus said. You know, they were, they, they were listening to him, but they were rejecting it. They didn't want it. And, and with uh, not a whole lot of political correctness, Jesus said to those people, he who belongs to God listens to what God says. The reason that you do not listen to me is that you don't belong to God. When an audience, no matter how big they are, when an audience in a spiritual setting thrills to a message that has nothing to do with the word of Christ. That's an audience that is gathered around the world's teaching. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. Christ's message is for the world. It's for everything in our world, every part of our life, every part of human experience. This is, what, this is why we love the word of God, right? Because it does speak to everything that we experience in this life and in this world. His word speaks to, to love and money and success and, and wisdom and family and relationships and sex. It speaks to all of that and more. There isn't a thing in our world that God doesn't speak to in his holy word. His word is for our world. But it is not worldly. We debase God's word. When we allow the prevailing sentiments of an ungodly world to kind of change the way we look, at the word of God. It's supposed to be the other way around, right? That the word of God would change the way we look at our world. We, we show ourselves to be a bad audience for the word of God. When, for instance, I'll just use this as an example. Like if, the, the, if, if my only thought on what like sex and marriage should be comes to me from the 5.30 network news and afternoon talk shows and late night comedy. You know, if, if that's, the only, that's, the, that's the only thought perception I'm going to have about sex and marriage, I am a rotten audience for the word of God. Let's test ourselves. What kind of an audience are we? Do we trust that God does in fact speak to every part of our life? And are we willing to listen to him? And when we trust his word, do we, do we believe that God can change things? Change things for the better, and not just in our lives, but also in the lives of those around us. But that takes courage, you know? It takes courage to, to stand up like in your family or, or, 
or uh, among your friends or among your schoolmates, uh, at your college. It, it takes courage to stand up and say, now listen, I like to have a good time as much as the next fellow, but what we're about to do, God's word is really clear on it. It is not the right thing to do. That takes courage. And it also takes courage as a congregation to say, we are not going to move into the future that God has for us driven only by popular convention, nor driven only by, you know, tradition, like this is the way we've done it before. But, it, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to examine the word of God. We're going to listen to what God has to say. And then we're going to move out. And we're going to move into the future that God has for us. That takes courage. And when God grants that courage, he also gives confidence and he gives satisfaction that he will gather his people around his message. Here is, a, uh, here is a TV game show factoid for you. In the history of American game shows, there have only been two of them that have produced through um, network broadcast and syndication, they've produced at least one show in seven consecutive decades. So that's a long run, this is what I'm trying to say. And one of them is The Price is Right. The other one is To Tell the Truth. And maybe you know that one. But in its various permutations, to tell the truth is always about this. A celebrity panel has to judge which one of those three people is who they all say they are. And how do they do that? By asking questions and by listening very carefully. Today, God comes to us and he says, my child, test before you trust. And it's not a game. And it's not an intellectual exercise either. And here's why. God's word to us about Jesus Christ in our lives, it, it's everything. It's his love letter to us. It's his lifeline to us. It is the only way that we can grow in our faith and faith is the only way. Trusting Jesus is the only way we get to heaven. So test before you trust. Test the messages you hear. Test the, the way you hear the messages. And as you're doing that, please know this. God is calling us by his word to be his people. Amen.